have been on a journey together, looking at what is biblical unity? What is true fellowship? What is koinonia? Right? And, and if you've been with us the last few weeks, you've kind of enjoyed it. And, and uh, in particular, there was a, a wonderful passage in Hebrews 10. You have your Bibles, you can turn there. If not, uh, it'll come up on the uh, screens in just a minute. Hebrews 10, 24 and 25, uh, really gave us three real practical one another's that we've been looking at, right? We've seen that, that as a church, there's this positional truth that we are all in Christ. Amen? Right? You put your faith in Christ. 1 Corinthians 12 says, now you're baptized, you're placed into the body of Christ or the church. Right? And then we see in Ephesians that, that we're to make every effort to keep the unity. We see in Acts 2 that the early church devoted themselves to fellowship. And, and I share with you this, this you know, illustration last week, and, and I, I just love this. It helps me to understand the church, right? Carl, if you want to deal with these lights, I shared this with you. Right? In many ways, this helps me, helps us understand church and positional truth versus practical, right? So we saw in, in First Corinthians, when you put your faith in Christ, it says we're all put into the church, into Christ, so base, right? We're all connected. We're positionally united. And then what, what are we doing right here? We've all decided to get together. At twelve ninety grand, at twelve ninety grand, right? And then what do we do? We say, "Ready, break!" At the end, and we all go back. We gather and we scatter, and then every once in a while, you get a small group, or you have coffee during the week, right? And then we get back together, right? So the church is one, right? We we gather and then we scatter. Now the sad part is, we church with you last night. Sometimes we lose people. And, uh, you know, we pray them back in. But, um, but I love this because it's, it, it's real foundational to us to understand that at the core, you can turn on the lights, at the core, we're one. We're positionally united in Christ. This summer, and what we've been looking at, well, okay, we're all one, and we kind of have our space, right? We all have our space. But what, how are we supposed to get along? How are we supposed to get along? How are, how are these supposed to relate to one another? In fact, we've seen repeatedly a verse, favorite verse in John 13, right? Jesus says, love each other as I have loved you. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples. Our love for one another. So here's a, here's a really powerful truth. The way that we love one another, treat one another, Jesus says, is an incredible testimony. Because the world is watching in a country and in a world that is just being torn apart with anger and rage and division. Right? It's just right there. Simmering. Into that culture, we say, hey, we have an opportunity to honor God. We have an honor, we have an opportunity to demonstrate that we're followers of Jesus just in how we learn to get along with one another. So the basis is we're unified. Jesus says the foundation is in this unity, love one another. And we've looked at that. And this summer we're going to look at these one another's. How do we one another? I love this quote by Andy Stanley. It says, the primary activity of the church was one anothering one another. Right? One anothering one another. And that's challenging in our very individualized, privatized culture, in our very individualized, 
privatized Christianity. It's about me and my study and my quiet time and my and my and my. And we're kind of working through, little by little, this biblical truth that, no, it's not about me, myself, and I. It's the big what? We. It's the big what? We. We. Woo! That, for some, you, you resonate with that, and, and you've had life experiences and church experiences that, that, that reinforce the big we, and you're like, yeah, this is awesome! Others, maybe not so pleasant church experiences. Others, maybe not so pleasant life experiences. Maybe there's betrayal, there's hurt. Things have happened to where the idea of being part of a big we, although it sounds really good on paper, you know, that bass player up there looks kind of sketchy. <laughs> not wearing a collar. I don't know about guys. You know what I mean? Right? So, so we, we walk through that door, and, and I recognize and I'm sensitive to the, the diversity of experiences, and that's why we're not rushing into it, and I'm just like, hey, you got to do this, you got to do this. I understand that what we're talking about, this big we, and one anothering one another, it takes time sometimes to really let it sink from here to here, because it's risky. It's risky. Because the church is made up of who? Us. And what is one important truth to remember about us? We're sinners, which means we're imperfect. So the church is made up of imperfect people. Just smile at the person next to you. How many of you had some imperfections leak out this morning? On the way to church? Right? So the crazy thing is, we're the big we, but the big we is made up of imperfect people who probably step on your toes, probably say something to hurt your feelings, probably, you know, do something. Somewhere along the line in this mass of people, somebody may do something to bend you. And that's why the Lord says, how do you love and forgive and marry? All of that is a testimony, because He knew we were imperfect. He knew that if we could really focus on the big we, it could really be a testimony. Because we're imperfect. And we're all going to stumble and bumble along. So we're looking at what that means. Hebrews 10 says this. Let us consider how we may spur one another on toward loving good deeds. Not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. But encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day approaching. Right? We saw three things out of these verses that you can do as part of initial one another. One is commit together. Don't forsake. Don't, there's no lone, lone ranger. Christians, you're part of the body. So commit together, and we saw consider one another. Literally take time to think about someone else's spiritual well-being. Think about it. where are they? Where is so-and-so with the Lord? Lord, show me, show me where they are with you. Consider one another and then be encouraged. Right? Today we're gonna say, okay, so I commit together. Yes, we've driven the stake in the ground. We're committing to Sundays, we come Tuesdays, work if that works, we're gonna go to a small group. So let's say you drive the stake in the ground. Boom. Yes. I'm going to commit to being an active gatherer. The challenge is, when we gather, we have to talk to each other. We have to talk to each other, right? And today we're going to focus on this one another. Uh, really, well, if we, if we commit to gather, okay, and we're thinking about each other, how do we talk to each other? 
how should we speak to each other? Right? So turn to Colossians 3. Colossians 3.16. We're going to start this this week, and then we'll, we'll pick it up as we can. So Colossians 3.16 and 17. The Apostle Paul is talking to believers. And he says this. Colossians 3.16 and 17. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom. And as you sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs with gratitude in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through them. We're going to focus today on verse um, 16. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom, and as you sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs with gratitude in your hearts to God. So really, kind of in the big picture, he's talking about, hey, when you gather, do your words reflect the word? Right? He says in, in there, and we're going to look at this next time, teaching, admonishing, with wisdom, and then he says, what did he say? Songs, uh, as you sing songs, hymns, and spiritual songs of gratitude in your hearts, worship, right? So when we gather... What's the nature of our conversation? What really is the nature of our conversation as, as a church? What should it be? Now, nothing wrong with the sort of the, the, the one level of conversation. Hey, how's your week? How you doing? Right? We love that. That even meet and greet before service. Today, it's, it's awesome. I, I come in about five minutes before service, and I kind of try to meet as many of you as I can. And I, one of the things I do when I walk through the door about five till is I listen. And sometimes it's kind of quiet, but today you were not quiet. <laughs> you were up. There was joy, right? And you're sharing lies, and, and, and you're engaging at a, at a wonderful relational level. It's beautiful, right? But sometimes, if we're not careful, we kind of just stay there. Hey, how was your week? Hey, how's it going? How's your job? Hey, how's your kids? Right? And nothing wrong with that is one layer. But look what it says in Colossians 3.16. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly as you, what? Teach and admonish one another with all wisdom and as you sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs of gratitude in your hearts to God. There's this level of conversation, there's this level of, of dialogue, relationship that we should have with one another that kind of goes deeper than just, hey, how was your week? Right? How do we do that? Well, how do you get to that level? What, what's foundational to that, right? Well, the first part of verse 16 is foundational. It says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. And then he says, as you. So those first phrases, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. That's the foundation to our conversation. To how we speak to one another. Letting the word of Christ dwell in us richly. What does that mean? Right? If we're going to be teaching and admonishing and worshiping together at a, at a more mature level, at a deeper, more mature level, spiritually, foundational to that, he says it right here, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. First word is let. Right? It's one of those words, if you read that, how many of you honestly just read let and went right by it? Oh yeah, let. Oh, let the word. 
Christ. Well, where is Christ? Bible. Right? Let. It's a choice. It's a choice. The very top of the word. Let. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. It's a choice, which means there's priorities. Which means saying yes to some things and no to other things. It's letting. Because we let a lot of things into our life. We let the TV program. We let friends. We let our jobs. We let our hobbies. We let a lot of things into the use of our time and resources. What choices are you making, am I making, about letting the Word of God in? Richly. Right? It's a choice. And why is it important? Because remember 1 Timothy 3.15, it says, If I am delayed, you will know how people ought to conduct themselves in God's household, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and foundation of truth. Our unity, our koinonia, is rooted in truth. True biblical unity is rooted in biblical truth. It's not just feelings driven. It's not like, hey, have a good time at your church. Hey, I like your music. Hey, I like your facility. And we're kind of united in these externals. That's not true biblical unity. And we have to be very careful about that because you can come and feel really good about feeling connected here and you're actually feeling united. But the truth is, we're united here. First and foremost, because we believe this is God's truth. Amen? That, that's what we stand for. We drove that stake in the ground eight years ago when God put it on our heart. And, and Mark, uh, Mark was one of the guys that I went to for counsel when God put it on my heart. And then you start a church, Bible studies growing. The Lord, are you doing something more? Remember in the living room, I sought counsel from Mark. He really respected him. He's a man of God. I shared with, with him what God was putting on my heart. And I'll never forget this counsel I received from him. He said, Okay, I hear you. Here's my counsel. You have to be you in this. If you're going to do this, you have to be you. And, and I took that to heart. And one of the things about me is I just believe this is God's word. This is just God's truth. It's, it's authoritative. I don't even like all the things he says. <laughs> Amen? Amen. And there's times I'm like, really? Oh. But that doesn't change the truth. And it doesn't change the authority. And oftentimes it just means me changing to conform to this. Amen? Mm-hmm. So, so our unity is rooted in biblical truth. That's what true unity here is united. That's why we always open this. That's why we teach from this. You take this away, we're just a social club. So that's why we even have an accountability board. We have an accountability board of three other pastors that don't even live here, that have known me over 20 years. And we put that in place to begin with. Lest I, in my imperfect, sinful, self-pleasing nature that is still there, I'm still in sanctification just like you, lest I go, whoo-hoo, and start to drift this way, the board here has permission to bring in the three accountability guys and to call me on the carpet and then to do whatever's necessary for the sake of God's church. This church is bigger than me. And so our biblical unity is a first and foremost ground truth. That's why that word let is important. It's a huge choice. 
to let not just the Bible, not just all I have. Now he's telling me I have to read scripture. Now he's telling me to have a quiet time. Sort of. But that let is, is really a choice to let the truth dwell in you richly. Let the authoritative word of God dwell in you richly because that is foundational to everything we are as believers. Amen? Amen. Everything we know about Jesus, everything we believe about Jesus and heaven and how we're to walk in the Holy Spirit, everything in our whole Christian life is what? Found where? Here in God's truth, not my opinion. Not my opinion. So this word let, man, that's a powerful one because there's a lot of things competing for your attention and my attention. For your priorities and my priorities. Right? Let. Let. Okay, Lord. And then he says, let it dwell. Right? Colossians 3.16. Let the word of Christ, God's truth, dwell. That word dwell Right? That word, that word dwell is to be at home. To make comfortable. Right? It is to reside permanently. When it says, let the word of Christ dwell in you, it means to choose to allow this to become just like home. Just like home. You're so comfortable. You know where things are. Right? You're comfortable. Right? How many of you right now, you walk through the door at your home and you're just home? You've been away on a trip. Maybe you've been away on a trip. You get home, you walk through the door and immediately, what do you say? Oh, it's good to be home. When it says, let the word of God dwell in you, it says, make this, make it a priority. Choose to bring this into your life so continuously that it's like being home. You're so comfortable with it. Ah, it's home. Dwelling, it's dwelling in me, right? So the question is, is the word of God home or a visitor? Right? Is the word of God like, hey, it's that weekly visitor called the word of God. Here he is. We meet him at 1290 grand every Sunday. Right? Or are you making the word of God? Feel at home in your life, dwelling in you. Just what do you got dwelling? Are you choosing to let it dwell? Make, make, just ah, oh, yes, I get it. I'm comfortable with it, right? Right. It takes time. It takes time. And then it says, let it dwell richly. Okay, not just dwell, but dwell richly. That word richly, it means value, extreme wealth, right? Do you value this? Okay, do you value this? Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Valuable. Esteem this thing. Like, I need this. This is like riches. This is like gold. I look at these verses that says in Psalm 119. I rejoice in following your statutes as one rejoices. What? In great riches. I meditate on your precepts and consider your ways. I delight in your decrees. I will not neglect your word. Right? Psalm 119.72 The law from your mouth is more precious to me than thousands of pieces of silver and gold. Woo! I read that and I didn't stop right there. Look what it says. I put it up again. The law from your mouth is more precious to me than thousands of pieces of silver and gold. I was convicted. 
And if you want to know what you really consider valuable, what I really want, if I want to know, I look at how I use my time where I spend my money. Those are the tests. In your life and my life, what I really consider valuable. It really is, right? Look at this one, uh, 103. How sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than honey to my mouth. Again, wake up in the morning. How many of you just can't wait? You're craving to get in the Word of God. Oh, really? Gosh, I had to quiet that again. Oh, my goodness. Because Pastor Richie said, it's good for me. Look at that. How sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than honey to my mouth. Versus, here comes the medicine. Open your mouth, because Pastor Richie said, this is good for you. Right? Sometimes we look at the Word of God as like, oh, okay, can I have a drink to chase it down after? Right? All those little tricks you, you did and your kids do for medicine. Where did it? Why did it become that the Word of God is not seen as something sweeter than honey to my mouth, and the Word of God is seen like taking medicine? And we sort of have, okay. <laughs> Okay, Lord. Oh! Just keeping it real, because. Right? I mean, what's going on with that? Let the Word of Christ dwell in me and you richly.
that the old competitive me came up. <laughs> I thought, yeah, I don't need to give much time. I'll just set my line up and no. Especially not against other pastors. Gotta represent. So fantasy football consumes me. Because I don't know the players anymore. I've been so disconnected from pro football. I don't know the rules of this league. I spend days and hours and hours getting to know the rules, getting to know all the players in the NFL all over again. Right? I'm just consumed. Right? I'm letting fantasy football dwell in me richly. Confession Sunday, but that's what it was. <laughs> fantasy football, I was choosing to let fantasy football dwell in me richly. I wanted to know it so well that it was at home. I knew all the players. I could talk to them. I, I knew. I, I was able to talk. I could speak, speak the lingo now. I knew all the rules. It was valuable. It was valuable because I wanted to win. And I did. Feel <laughs> <laughs> that in. Chaz, if you're listening, thank you, bro. But, um, it consumed me. And, and I look back, and I'm like, Lord, man, I let fantasy football dwell in me richly. That's really what it was. It could be something else for you. It could be entertainment. It could be video games. It could be your career. It could be, think about it. What, what, what consumes you? What dwells in you richly? So much so that maybe... Two months ago, you didn't even know the lingo. But now you know the lingo, right? And you learned it, and you can talk, and you have these good conversations because you've invested yourself into it. You've learned it. You struggled through it, right? Even if it meant relearning. Yeah. I mean, I put my hand up. I, it's easy for me to get kind of... And then when it comes to this, you know... And it's convicting. It's hard. It's like, oh, Lord, forgive me. Why do I let the things of the world, why do I let my own wants and, and things that make me feel good, why, why is that, why is it so easy for me to want to consume myself? I'll get up at 5 a.m. to study fantasy football. And, and, and I'll be up till midnight, long past my family, gone to sleep. What? Studying fantasy football. amazing, right? And then we come back to Colossians 3.16 and it says, well, let the word of Christ dwell in the rich. Please. Rich G. <laughs> oh, oh, you know? And here's the thing. There's this, there's this passage in Luke 6.43-45 that says, no good tree bears bad fruit, nor does a bad tree bear good fruit. Each tree is recognized by its own fruit. People do not pick figs from thorn bushes or grapes from briars. A good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart. And an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. Now usually, you might hear that. Generally that's like, see, if someone's using bad language and they're cussing and yada yada yada. See, that's just a condition of their heart, and we kind of use that in this sort of negative sense. Let me flip that. It says, for the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. So what do you think would happen to your language if your heart was full of this? 
Because that says the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. So if I let the word of Christ dwell in my heart richly, what's going to happen to what comes out of my mouth? Godly teaching, admonishing, psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. As, here's the crazy thing. That's part of just walking with Jesus. It's not weird. You don't become corny. You're not an angry Bible basher. It's none of that. It's as you let the Word of God dwell in you richly. Here's, I don't know how God does it. Well, I do know. It's through His Holy Spirit. Speaking God's truth, having a song in your heart, just becomes part of the course. Just becomes part and parcel of who you are. Right? I, I, it's part of your worldview. I've shared this with you before. As a believer, as you walk and as you let the Word of Christ dwell in you, I show this to you, right? It's called a biblical worldview. You see everything in the world, on TV, on the news. What? There's the world. It comes through what? The Word of God. Right? You hear everything through the Word of God. And hopefully, what comes out of your mouth is consistent with the Word of God. See, this, this is challenging because a lot of, of believers even, they try to compartmentalize. And they want to learn Christian lingo. And they want to learn Christian acts. And it's kind of external. And they may even come to church, they may come to youth group, and they'll speak the lingo, and they'll put up a pretty good front, and they'll, they'll say just enough to kind of let you know, oh, okay, I'm good, right? If I were to ask your co-worker about your faith based on what they see and hear out of your mouth and your actions, what would your co-worker say? What about your family? Your kids? Your spouse? Right? When he says, let the word of Christ dwell in you ritually, it is just like it's a zinger. It's a zinger to hear. Because this says the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. What he's saying is, hey guys, if we're going to one another, one another, biblically, we all have to let, we all have to make a choice in this room to let this dwell in us richly. Because if we make that individual choice, it's going to have an immediate impact on how we view each other and how we how we talk to each other. Right? So just kind of ask yourself, just kind of, you know, check yourself a little bit. How are you doing in this? How are you doing this? Some, some questions before we take communion. James 1, 19, 21 says this, My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Therefore, Get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent and humbly accept the word planted in you, which can save you. Right? There's an action. There's an action. Get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent and humbly accept the word. Application. What is bad in you? What, what, what do you need to get rid of? What priorities need to be changed in your life so that this can dwell in richly? 
What do you need to do? You need to get up earlier? You need to go to sleep earlier? You need to use your lunch hour differently? What do you need to do? What practical changes do I need to make, do you need to make, so that this can be, begin to dwell in us richly? It gets to be comfortable. It's not just a visitor, a weekly visitor, a two-times visitor. It's, it's, a, it's, it's at home. What do you need to do differently, right? How much do we value the word of God? The verse about, oh man, Lord, your word is more valuable than silver and gold. Is it? I'm just asking the question. It's a question the Lord asks me. Is it? What? What do you? What's valuable? Where are you putting your time and your resources? That's that'll answer that question for you, right? James one twenty two says, "Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says." So how committed are we? How committed am I to being a doer, not just a hearer, right? That, that verse, deceive yourself, we looked at it a lot of times here. If you're a hearer and you're not a doer, that word, the James 1.22 says, I am deluded. You're deluded. If just showing up and listening to a sermon and doing nothing with it is, is your habit, that verse says you're deceived. It really says you're deluded. Right? Right? So why, why are we sharing this? Why, why are we just camping here? Because here's the thing. We can race through the whole summer and just say, okay, so this is how we forgive one another. This is how we bear one another's burdens. This is how we one another. This is how we one another. This is how we one another. And we'll feel really good and we'll try to like sort of do these behaviors. And we miss the whole point. The whole point. Jesus, remember, remember in Revelation, he came to the church. He said, hey, church. You do church really well, but you left your first love. Right? One of the markers of our love for the Lord is our love for the Lord. It just is. Right? And, and, and it's just a point of reflection. It, 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 it's kind of stopped me this week. I'm like, oh man, Lord, okay. Wow. You mean it's not just because I'm a pastor and all this good stuff is happening around here? No. Richie, first and foremost, you're a follower of Jesus, not a pastor. So how are you doing with this well enriching in my own life? And I honestly I'm just sharing a little bit of a testimony that yeah. I've had to I've had to do some honest assessments of my valuable time and what I'm esteeming and where my priorities are. And even as a pastor, right? I can be in this a ton, 40, 50 hours in preparation for counseling and for teaching. And then I can be in this 10% of that personally. And that's a problem. If as a pastor, I'm simply doing this to get the next sermon and study for you guys and not personal growth, we're already, we're already, <coughs> dashboard's already looking with caution, caution. Right? Because now, what I do for a living as a pastor becomes an idol. Now I'm loving my pastor more than my Savior. And that's a problem. And that's what the Lord is working on me. Am I letting this dwell in me richly just because I'm a believer, not a pastor? You know, I just share that with you. Because when I am not in this personally, even Pastor Richie has bad moments at home. <laughs> Why are you all smiling? <laughs> <laughs> that's what it 
it is. He's not in his Bible. It's probably true. It's probably true. They'll tell you. Right? And generally, if I'm if I'm more consumed with my ministry than my walk with Jesus, it will bleed out at home. That's just the truth. And so as we walk through the summer of one another today, just take that. Or sometime today, before you can go to bed. Lord, am I letting the word of Christ dwell in me richly? Just start there. This is not a message of condemnation. This is just more reflection, assessment. Where am I with this Jesus? Because he says, the rest of the verse says, if you do that, what comes out of your mouth will reflect that. Your words will reflect his word. It's just the back pocket. That's just the way it works. It's just the way it works. How many of you ever seen a friend, a teenager, who, who goes from one social group to another social group and starts talking like the other social group? Right? Hey! Right? They, they, they find this group that likes them. They dress like them. They, they're hearing this all the time. And suddenly, they're using the same words. Suddenly, it's the same slang. Suddenly, it's the same attitude. Right? Why is that? Because in this social circle, this teenager is letting all of that dwell in them richly. And as a byproduct, it just comes out. It just comes out. The attitude and the words just come out. Because it's a heart issue. It's the same thing. It's the same thing. Before we take communion, I just want to share, share this story with you. It says, before Clara Schumann, the widow of German composer Robert Schumann, would play any of her husband's music in public, she would first privately read over some of his old love letters. Inspired by his words, she said it seemed as if, as if his very life filled her. And she was then better able to interpret his musical compositions to the public. In the spiritual realm, if we will read God's words of love to us until we are thrilled by their truth, his spirit will fill our hearts. You know, maybe, maybe, for some of us, we've got to stop looking like at this as medicine, and a have to, and a textbook, and whatever else, and reframe it to a love letter. Just reframe this as God's love letter. Because in it, it tells you he loves you. In this, he tells you he loves you so much that he demonstrates his love that while you and I were at our very worst Christ died for us. That's the core of this. And maybe we just need to reframe this as a love letter from a good God who wants our best all the time. And maybe that'll change our attitude and our heart. And maybe that change of attitude and heart will be a catalyst to letting this love change. Amen? Let's pray together. Lord, thank you. Thank you, Lord, for your word today that if we're going to one another, one another in our words, it's not about being phony. It's not about being fake. It's not about church lingo or Sunday lingo or Christianese. It really begins in the heart. It really begins in letting the word of Christ dwell in us. Because you say, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. 
So if we let the word of Christ dwell in us richly, our mouth, our life will reflect your word. And so, Lord, we maybe just start by asking your forgiveness this morning. We've chosen to allow other things to dwell in us richly. For me, it's fantasy football for a season. Maybe it's a hobby. Maybe it's uh, social media. Maybe it's a career. Maybe it's a relationship. I don't know. But you do. So Lord, check our hearts. What do we value more than you? And then Lord, through your spirit, enable us to make real change. To reprioritize. To just begin the process making the word of God at home and not just a visitor. To welcome the word of God daily, just to be comfortable with your truth and your, your love there. So we're just going to take a moment, just let you sit quietly. The band's going to come up and we're going to sing a very very uh, familiar song about God's amazing love. It's really based on scriptural truth. So Lord, as we sing this song in preparation for communion, may it not just be something we're familiar with, but may it be an expression, a response to your love for us. A response to your love for us, as you say in your word, God so loved the world. You gave his only gods. That whoever should believe in him should not perish, but have eternal life. It's a love letter. At the core, you sent Jesus because you promised. And Jesus said, as often as you do this, do this in remembrance of me. It's a great opportunity today to just say, Lord, thank you. Thank you for loving me like you did. Thank you for that self-sacrificial love. And maybe in this moment, it'll change your love for his word and bring him back. Just to love his word in response to his love. If you're not here, we invite you to make Jesus your Savior and Lord. Put your faith in Him. Trust Him for His finished work. Receive God's love. Receive the gift of salvation. The Bible says you're saved by grace, not, not through faith, not by works. And if you do that, put your faith in Jesus, by all means, come up. Come up. Take communion in remembrance of Him. All right, so we're going to open up the communion tables. You guys can come up as you'd like. I want everyone to get served.